I don't know if any of you have anyone in your life like this. I know I've got a few. Uh, But it seems like every time I talk to them, they're always shouting and they're excited about something new that's happening in their life. You know, it's like, I got a new job. I just got a new job two weeks ago and I got a raise. Now I got a bonus. I got married. Again. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. It's just some people, it's, it's just blessings are just constantly, you know, saturating them, hounding them. And then there's others on the opposite end of the pendulum that they just, you know, just are scrapping for the wind to change in their life so that something good will happen. Just come on. Well, I was reading the other night uh, in in Genesis in chapter 26, and I was reading about Isaac, and all of a sudden it was like it just jumped off, uh, I want to say the page, but I was reading on my iPhone, it jumped off the screen, and it was like the four points just kind of highlighted themselves on these four things that when they're done, it's almost like your life operates like a magnet. And it just begins to pull blessings of all kinds into your life. Let's just read it real quick, shall we? Genesis chapter 26, verse number one. A severe famine now struck the land. As he had happened, as had happened before in Abraham's time, so Isaac moved to Gerar, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt. Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you to do. Live here as a foreigner in this land and I will be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give you all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky. I will give them all these lands, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements commands, decrees, and instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. You know, I've got a a compass here. Um, uh, Many of you are familiar with how compasses work. Um, uh, They tell you where you're at, which direction is which, whenever you're lost. And and most often hunters and and campers use it uh, whenever they're in the woods. Now, allow me a slight digression and a sidebar. It may probably doesn't have anything to do with this morning's sermon, but it just feels good to say it um, because uh, people use compasses when they're staying in the woods for long periods of time. Let me just say this. Humans are not born to live in the woods because out of nowhere, it'll just start raining and you won't have a roof over your head. Just like, just boom. Where did that come from? And now guess what? You're stuck out in the rain and everybody else that was smart enough to not go camping is at home. And here you go. Let me just prove to you. Is there any campers in this room? You enjoy going camping? That's not normal. 
animals live out there. Human beings aren't supposed to go out there. There's no toilets out there. There's no toilet paper out there. And improvising is not godly. It's not humane to improvise. Why, why do it? You know, well, we're traveling. Well, go to a hotel. If you're hot, you press a button. Now you're cool. If you're cool, you press a button. Now you're hot. You're out camping. Do you know, you're going to have to pray for my family. Because I read a stat that the number one common denominator, the number one, is for all families that stay together over the years. They don't get a divorce. They stay together is they camp. It's true. It's the number one common denominator. And my family's not going to go camping. So pray for me. We did it one time, and the, the mattress... I woke up in the middle of the night, and the mattress... My head was on a rock. It's not humane to go out there in those woods. That they're them woods. But people who do, they use a compass. And uh, Isaac, uh, he was in a situation where he wasn't lost in the woods. But he was experiencing a famine, a lack. And he used four principles to guide him through his season of lack. Now, if you're in a season of lack, it's probably not because you're not having enough rain to feed your crops unless you're a farmer. If you are a farmer, you're having a good day today because we got plenty of rain. But most of us, when we experience lack, it has nothing to do with water. It has nothing to do with crops. There's a lack in another area, an emotional area, a financial area. Isaac had lack, and he used these four principles as a compass. Number one is places. God told Isaac, do not go to Egypt. Don't go there. I want to say God gives us a free will, but there are certain places where you are not going to do well at. You're not going to do well there. Um, You're not assigned to that city. You're not assigned to that place. When God made the universe, he did it very strategically. Let me show you a a quick video clip that uh, just make the awe and wonder come to life. Watch this.
if oxygen were to come out of the earth for five seconds, a lot of bad things happen. Uh, if it were to double, some very fascinating things happen. God made this world perfectly for you, but he also has places that you're going to do better at than other places. My father wanted to start a church. Uh, we, he was an assistant pastor in Houston, Texas, and uh, he wanted to start a church. And so things were going very well for our family here in Houston. And so he said, well, where do we want to start a church? He goes, I think we should start one in Miami, Florida. Yeah! Why Miami? Because there's beaches there. True story. We moved to Miami, Florida. Nine months later, now keep this in mind, five of us go to Miami, Florida. My dad, my mom, and three boys. On the way back, oh, and my sister, six of us. Nine months later, me and my dad are coming back, and the rest of the family is not with us. And my dad will tell you to this day, boy, I got my rear end handed to me in Florida. I don't know what it is about Houston, the greater Houston area, but our family does well in Houston. We just do well. It's interesting, whenever I go preach outside of Houston, uh, I do well, I do okay, but not as well as I do in my backyard. When I go to Home Depot, I feel like an idiot talking to people. When I talk to mechanics about my car, I feel like an idiot. What's wrong with your car? It's making a sound. What's the sound make? I think they ask me these questions just to watch me. Do you think it's, uh, do you think it's, well, I, you know what? I don't know, but I know it's making a sound like this. Have you ever made that sound? Or do you, have you ever talked to a mechanic and felt like an idiot? When I'm in Lowe's, I need that, that thingamajigger deal that you put on the thing and you turn it. And when you turn it, the, it loosens and, and the, the, the flux capacitor <laughs> begins to release carbon. I'm gonna, I, I, hold on, someone's calling me. And I just feel like an idiot. There's certain places where I feel like a schmagool. When I went and I realized I was the only Texan a couple years ago that didn't have a gun in his house. That's not good. If everybody's got a gun, you're the only one without a gun. That's not good. So I said, I better go get a gun. So I go and I get a, buy a gun and I go to Academy to buy some bullets for that there gun. <laughs> you got to talk a certain way. I realized I go to Academy and goes, well, what, what kind of um, rounds do you need? I said, I don't need any rounds. I need some bullets. <laughs> says, son, you know, anytime someone starts a sentence off with son, it's not going to go good. He goes, son, rounds are bullets. I said, well, then give me some rounds. What are we flirting here? And he says, uh, what, what, kind of, uh, what, what kind of ammo do you need? And I'm like, okay, now it's, now it's bullets or it's ammo or it's rounds. So I'm learning the, my lingo. He said, you know, what gauge do you need? Like, I don't know, man. I got a black gun. I pull it back like this and I hold it. Bam. <laughs> Give me some rounds. Give me something. Is it a 45? Is it a 40? Is it a 20? Look, bro, you doing this on purpose? Is this a trick question? 
I, I look like an idiot in gun shops. I look like an idiot at Lowe's. I look like, it, unless I stay in my, my sphere, I look like a schmagool. And anytime I step out of it, I look like an idiot. When I'm in my sphere, I do well. I just want you to know, you have certain places where you're tolerated, but you're not celebrated. You've got other places where you're celebrated and not tolerated. And I want you to know that God has certain places where you have favor. And if you don't have favor on your life at that place, you start praying for God to open up a door and get out of that place and get somewhere where you have favor. You're not going to just walk anywhere you want to and have favor. You're not, you don't have the Midas touch everywhere. You do have the Midas touch. It's just not everywhere. See, some of you, you kick royal tail in your occupation. But if you do what I do, we don't have a church anymore. If I do what you do, I'm going to be fired in five minutes. Uh, there's somebody in our church who works for, uh, for Exxon. He called me up and he goes, hey, pastor, how are you? I said, I'm doing fine. How are you? He goes, man, I'm getting hammered over here. I said, well, hey, man, take the rest of the day off. I'll come in and I'll, I'll run things a little bit. He goes, man, I'd be fired in 45 minutes if you came in here. <laughs> I'll start, I'll make, I can make some graphs. You engineers are crazy about graphs. I got some graphs. You remember the monkey and the, you know, the, the graph was upside down. They're like, woohoo! And it was upside down and it showed that they were actually having a decrease. And they're like, oh, that's a bad graph. Put it back upside down. That's me! You gotta know, and, and as we mature in the Lord, we will feel that in this place I'm celebrated. In this place I'm tolerated. In this place, and I, and I say all this to say, be careful anytime you move. Now, just because you're, uh, you're being challenged doesn't necessarily mean that it's time to move. Because most often, the road that God has you on is the road less traveled. It's, it's challenging. It's stretching. But God has specific places. Number two, everybody say people. People, this is the other point in the compass that when we want blessings to overtake us, we recognize, number one, there's certain places that I'm going to do well in. God said, don't go to Egypt. Number two is, uh, I'm sorry, not people. Um, uh, uh, sorry, I just drew a blank. And number two is not people. It's principles. It's principles. God told Isaac, I want you to do what I tell you to do. I want you to do What I tell you to do. I don't want you to have a set of principles that change depending on who you're with. If it's wrong on Sunday, it's wrong on Friday night. Are you with me? I went out to eat with somebody last week. It was just he and I sitting at the table. And across the table came profanity and vulgarity and insults like crazy And I'm sitting there, I'm like, where is this coming from? What is happening here? What is going on? And in my mind, the compass is out. And it's like, hold on a second. These principles, I've got principles. And I'm not changing my principles. My principles stay the same. It's so important that you marry what's right and you don't let go of it. And right doesn't change. Right is always the same. We establish our principles by what the Word of God says. A lot of times we establish our principles but why, by what we think should be right. I don't think God's going to send me to hell if I do that. I don't think... It, we need to live our life saying, would this please God? Because it's a dangerous thing. Everybody say dangerous. Dangerous. 
Look at the person next to you and say, dangerous. dangerous. To establish principles that are not godly because you will talk yourself into believing that they are. How many of you have ever been to a horse race? Go ahead, raise your hand. You've been to a horse race. There's a study out there that uh, a group of psychologists from Canada, they came in, they did a case study, and, and what they found out was that when a person is trying to pick a horse to bet on, once they take the money out of their pocket... Uh, should I go with horse number two, horse number four, horse number seven? Uh, I don't know. Uh, give me a, give me a hundred dollars on horse number eight, horse number eight. I'm going with horse number eight. I just got a good feeling. You get the ticket. It says horse number eight. Social, social psychologists say that once you've purchased the ticket and once you've made a commitment You begin to behave to show yourself and others that you believe in the commitment that you just made. So when they studied the people that placed the bet, they found out that their belief in the horse increased after they bought the ticket. So what's happened? Uh, what should I do? Should I horse eight, horse three, horse two? I don't know. Horse eight. I got horse eight. I don't know what it is. I got a good feeling about horse eight. <laughs> I don't know what it is, man. He just looks lean. Look at it. I think today's his day. And you begin to, 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 to seal your commitment because of social, interpersonal, and personal pressures to prove that you may, that your commitment was the right one. It's a scary thing when you begin to commit yourself to a set of principles that are wrong and then you spend the rest of your life proving that you really believe these set of principles and they're wrong. And so what the Lord says is he says this, do not go to Egypt. Make sure you're at the right place. Don't go where you don't need to go. You stay. You, you, this place isn't for me. I don't know what it is about Spencer's. I hope you don't own a Spencer's because I'm going to offend you and I'm so sorry. But I walk into Spencer's and I just feel the ibby jibbies. And I'm like, I need to get out of here. And all of a sudden I'm like, man, I feel good. I walk into Spencer's. I got to walk back out. I walk back into Spencer's, I walk back out and I feel good. I don't know what it is when a greeter says, hey, welcome to Spencer's. And they look like Frankenstein. I don't feel welcome. I don't know. I don't know. When they got underwear hanging from the ceilings with with quotes on the back of it to express what the person wearing the underwear is capable of doing. I I just, I, I need to get out of here. I need to get out of here. Places, places, principles. Don't change those principles for nothing. And then he says this. This is regarding number three people. He says, when you are there, I want you to live like a foreigner. Live like a foreigner. Don't forget that you are my son. I want you to talk like we talk. I want you to act like we act. I want you to dress like we dress. And just because you're in that town, don't forget that you are not my son, that you are my son. 
Don't start talking like them. Don't start acting like them. Don't start dressing like them. You are my son. I want you to live like a foreigner. And I want you to live your life like this. Pick the right people. Let me see if I can uh, illustrate this real quick. Randall, come on up here real quick. um, uh, And just stand right there by that monitor. Let's say Randall is, is a local and he talks like somebody who doesn't love the Lord. He dresses like somebody who doesn't love the Lord. He, he, he communicates that way. Well, I'm a foreigner in this world. I'm, I'm just a son of God that's here just for a little while. When I see somebody like him, I go up to him and I'm building a relationship. I got one thing on my mind. I got one thing on my mind. Now, when I get over here... He might be really funny and good looking and cool. Next thing you know, I'm standing over here. I'm in his world now. And God said, wait, 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 hey. You're, you're a foreigner. Now, when it's been two years, Jesus used to do this. He used to throw what he called Matthew parties at Matthew's house. They'd bring a whole bunch of people that weren't Christians over the house and they'd have dinner with them. But the whole point was to... Now, they're not doing this every single Friday night. (laughs) Texans! They're not doing this. And then they all of a sudden, they're not even really a foreigner. Now they're a local. And if you were to just stop by the house and look at the two, and I don't know who's a foreigner, who's a local, there should never be confusion. There's no confusion. There's no confusion. There's no confusion at all. You know, when I go to, thank you, Randall, when I go to San Antonio, something happens to my brain. I don't know what it is. I go onto the river walk. Anyone here go to the river walk? Something happens to me. I, I can't even control it. Now, keep in mind, I'm, uh, I'm Italian. I'm raised by a mother and father from Queens. I know nothing about the Spanish culture. Nothing. Nothing. But when I get on the river walk, my wife hates going on the river walk with me. Because I look around and I see those quartets with the big sombreros. I want a sombrero. And there, and when every time I see a quartet, I go, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife gets so mad at me. But I'm in, man. I, I, give me some fajitas. Give me some chips. Give me some hot sauce. Give me, and I'm walking around using all my Spanish. Queso, pollo. Poquitos. Hacienda. I'm, I'm one of them. I'm one. I got bees. I got, what's that called? Caracas. Where, where are you, Robert? Come help me, Robert. Come help me. Come help me. I know now they don't have an electric guitar on the Riverwalk. They got one of those, like their guitars are this thick. You ever notice that? But, but play, play like, like you're on the Riverwalk. Like, like.
so embarrassed and my kids are now getting to the edge where they're jumping on now <laughs> I want a second home on the river wall I want to wake up and go yay, yay, yay. I don't even understand it but I love it I turn into one of them I turn into one of them and, and that's what the Lord is saying he's saying look if you want to have this internal compass There's certain places you can't go. And there are certain places where you need to stay. There are certain principles that can't change according to the weather. And there are certain people. You got to be a certain kind of person and hang out with certain kind of people. Everybody say number four. Keep in mind your purpose. In Genesis 26 verse four, he tells Isaac, he goes, through your descendants... I'm going to bless the entire land. In other words, your children, your children are going to be so blessed that they're going to be able to bless other people. You know what's a cool feeling? Have you ever given somebody money before? I mean, even if it's only 10 bucks. It's not, I'm going to let you borrow 10 bucks. It's like, I'm giving you 10 bucks. Maybe it's 20 bucks. Maybe it's a hundred dollars. You are able to give it away because you have more of those. You have more of those. In fact, when you gave it away, it's not going to affect your lifestyle. Some of you are able to give 50 bucks or $1,000 or $5,000 or whatever. It's not going to, you've got more of those. And what the Lord is telling Isaac is he's saying, "Your, your kids, if you live this way, If you keep this internal compass, there's certain places, there's certain principles, there's certain people. If you keep this and you remember what your purpose is, and that is to take this compass and put it in other people's hand and teach them the ways. I'm going to bless your children, your descendants. You know, part of my motivation for loving Jesus is I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go to heaven without my children. And and if, if Jesus doesn't come back, the Bible says he can come in a twinkling of an eye, which like right now, he can just come back. But if he doesn't come back and my children are adults, I don't want them to have enough to pay their bills. I want them to have enough to pay other people's bills. I don't want them to have enough happiness and enough peace to have a happy family. I want it to be so overwhelming that other families get up next to them and they become a better family because they're with it. Are you with me? Are you with me? I don't want my kids to have a relationship with God just good enough to get to heaven. I want other kids to get around my kids and they end up going to heaven. Are you with me? Do you see the compass here? This is an internal compass. I'll close with this last thought. When you're living your life with this kind of a purpose, you always want an upline. Imagine you're climbing Mount Everest and there's a guy above you and 
you got an upline. He's, he's pulling you up. You get better because he's in your life. You get better because she's in your life. And let me tell you, the people that are in my life that are on my upline, if I wait for them to call me, we won't have a relationship. They're on my upline. I can see that if I spend time with them, life moves at the pace of relationships. If you have good relationships, your life is going to move at a good pace. You got bad relationships, it's going to move at a bad pace. The years will teach what the days will never know. So if you can get somebody that has more years than you, that's a quality relationship, and you pursue them because everybody's got to have an upline. Now, you don't have 50 uplines. You got two or three uplines. You don't have time. You're adults. You're kid, you have kids. You're, you're, you have jobs. Uh, you'd like to have a life. You got one upline, two uplines, and you pursue that person. But everybody needs an upline, and everybody needs a downline. In other words, this person is going to do well because I'm going to help them do well. They're going to do well in business. They're going to do well with their family. They're going to do well with the Lord. And then everyone has an upline, a downline, and then a sideline. A sideline isn't putting things in you to make you better. And they're not there so you make them better. They're in your life to do this. (laughs) Woo! Yeah! Come on! Yeah! A sideline is so important. For, For those of you that have ever played sports... Man, you want to be on your home court. Because if you miss a shot on your home court, it's okay, it's okay, we'll get them, we'll get them, we'll get them, we'll get them. That's, that's who you want. You go on an away court and you miss a shot. Air ball, air ball. You got to get the right sideline. And some of us have people on our sideline that are yelling, air ball. It's like, hey. If you're not going to say we're going to get them, then you've got to have the right sideline. Right sideline, right upline, right downline, because that's our purpose. We have this internal compass that keeps us straight. All of us get better when we have the right people around us. I just want to say real quickly, my neighbor... Papa Doc, I do better because you're in my life. I'm going to give you this compass. And I mean that. I do better because of you. I do better. Why don't you stand to your feet for me, please? I do better because of him. There's some people in your life you just do better because of them. And there's some people in your life that will do better because you're in their life. They do better because you're there.